Good morning. Well, it is upon us. Another year has come and gone. We are on the verge of 2018. By the way, Happy New Year, Eve. Just a little early. Whoops, there goes my paper, and there it goes, just like that. Let's try that again. How many of you have uh, thought about New Year's resolutions? Anybody? I see one hand, two, three. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Saw a picture on Facebook this week that uh, showed um, like hundreds of thousands of people in this one picture at the top that said, this will be Jim's next, next, uh, next week, Tuesday morning. People will be in the gym. They're all running out there because you know what it means. It's time to do some exercise. Time to get in shape. By the end of the year, I drove past um, over by Walmart. There's, uh, was it Anytime Fitness? Is that what it is? Yeah, it was empty. (laughs) Pretty much what we expect by the end of the year is those resolutions pretty much go out the window. And uh, honestly, I, I don't... I don't know if the last few years, I'm getting to the point where I don't make resolutions anymore. Because Lord knows I'm going to fail anyway. I'm not going to keep it. So why start out with one foot in a hole already? And just realize, Lord, I'm already going to blow it, so I'm just going to confess it ahead of time. Uh, But in reality, we really do need to take seriously what we would call New Year's resolutions, at least um, some with regard to the issue of our walk with Christ. And think of us, some of us this year are going to make some New Year's resolutions and, you know, they could be, I'm going to lose some, some weight. That always seems to be the one after Christmas and Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year's. Um, the clothes don't fit the way they used to. And so we try to make a commitment to change and, and change our diet and change a variety of things. But um, really all of us are going to make a commitment one way or another either to do something or to do nothing. And when I think about it, I think back a few years ago um, with regard to running the race. We're going to be talking about that today um, in, in our study. But I think back on before I would think about running our, our race as a believer, I, I ran a couple of 5Ks, several 5Ks. Now, back in 2014, I, I was in a little bit better shape than I was. How many of you have ever run a, a 5K? Anybody run 5K? A few of you. How many of you have run a marathon? Susie's not here, but she has. Did I see anybody who's, who's marathon? thought I saw a hand. Anyway. Yeah, not, not very many of us run a marathon. Why? Exactly. <laughs> really? You're serious. Um, it's one of the things that you don't just jump up on a Saturday morning and go, you know what? I'm going to go out and run five miles this morning. It just doesn't happen that way, does it? No. In fact, I remember getting up and I was telling, I think I was talking to Larry or yeah, we were talking this morning and talking about what it takes to get up and get going to run a 5K. That's 3.1 miles. Okay. Or a marathon is, is a lot longer and I don't even want to think about how far it is. Uh, 20, what is it, 21? It's 21 miles? 26, 26. Yeah, that's, that's unheard of. I can't, even, I can't even begin to fathom running 26 miles with these legs. 3.1, no problem. But I got up and, and I said to my wife, I said, you know what, I've got a goal. And I had to make a goal. I had to have something I was going to shoot for in order to make it worth my while. And so I set up, I was going to run in, in June with my son down in Lafayette at the, um, the ribbon of, or Race for Hope or whatever, something like that. Anyway, it was for the ladies' home down there. Um, and so I started, so I got out the first day, and I ran down around the corner. And some of you know where I live. You guys, yeah, you know where I'm at. I ran down around the corner and passed your house. And I had, okay, time to walk a little bit. That wasn't very far. And I thought, <laughs> you think I'm going to run 3.1 miles? I'm never going to make it. But it took starting there. I had to start there. And so by running and taking time to run, I eventually got to the point where actually I ran that one, did really well in it. I went down to Texas and ran with my son at the Monster Mash. And this is what I won. For those of you down front, you can see what it is. It is a mummy. Uh, It was the Monster Mash. That's why, ergo, mummy. 
Um, 300 and some people, and in my category, 50 to 54, I was second. I was 30-something out of 300. Pretty impressive, for even for me. But you know what it took? It's not, I'm not here to boast about how fast I can run or how good I am. But it took effort. Anybody can do it. But it took starting somewhere. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, is, is where do we start? What do we need? I think ultimately what we need to realize, even in the Christian realm... In, the, in the, the race of life, we need training, endurance, and motivation. And I want to think about that today as we begin to look and really look back at our walk in 2017 and really then look ahead to 2018. We're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 12. Some of you may be familiar with this passage, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you haven't already turned there, take your Bibles and turn there. Or take your iPads or apps or whatever you need to use, whatever you're using today, Bibles in the pew in front of you. Hebrews is at the back of the New Testament. Get to Revelation, back up about uh, seven books, I think it is, roughly. You'll come to Hebrews, large book. And just as a reminder, remember the, the book of Hebrews, don't know who it was written by, but whoever had written it, their focus was on really on understanding the superiority of Christ and the new covenant. It's a fulfillment, really, of the law. Jesus fulfilled the law, and so they're writing it, and they're explaining how Christ fulfilled the law, and he was the new covenant, the, 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 the one who was going to be the superior one over all. Up through chapter 10, verse 19, really, it talks about them. Then from 10, 19 on through the end of the book, through chapter 13, the writer of Hebrews turns his attention to really the church's responsibility in light of of Christ's superiority. And that's where we're going to find ourselves today as we look at this passage. But before we do, let me pray. Now we're going to jump right in and look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Father in heaven, God, we ask you as we wrap up 2017, another year goes by. It's amazing. It seemed like just yesterday we were celebrating 2017 coming in and now it's gone. Lord, we have a lot of things that we wish we had done in, in this year. I'm sure there are things we've accomplished. We praise you for those. But yet, we look back over the year, too, and a lot of time lost, a lot of events that took place, a lot of frustrations, difficulties. Yet, you are the one who guides us all. You give us encouragement. You uh, help us through those times. And as we press on, as we run this race, and we continue on into this next year, Lord, help us not to get discouraged. Help us not to get disoriented. Help us not to, to be hung up by the the weights and the sins that so easily tangle us in the affairs of this world that get us, have a struggle and then give up. But Father, help us to press on as we study your word today. Guide us by your spirit. Thank you for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Read through with me. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin, the sin that so easily besets us or ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, God has set a course for our lives, and he expects us to run this race really with endurance and ultimately with success, and and we will one day. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have made a commitment to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you will one day cross that finish line. Amen? Uh, I look forward to that day because there are some days that are harder than others, and they seem to get more and more prevalent, that the days are harder than the easier days, the older I get. And I think some of us can relate to that. Some of us, you young people, you haven't been there yet, getting a, getting a bad grade on a test, that's pretty heavy. But there are a lot heavier things yet to come. There really are. Um, that's not the end of the world. But it's easy for me to say because I've been through it. But even that is difficult. But as we begin to, to press on, as we begin to look at this race that is set before us, you need to know Christ first. If you don't, then you're, just, you're basically a spectator today. You're going to hear a lot of information that may sound, well, that sounds really good, self-motivation, whatever. That's not going to get you there. All the running you can do will be right straight to hell without Jesus Christ. So you need to know that first. Let me tell you that up front. Make that decision first. 
For those of us, though, who do know Jesus, we need to look to him as the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one who's going to help us to strive to get that, that, that race completed. Because every one of us, is, as we strive to run in this race, it's lengthy and it's exhausting. And as I've stated already, we need proper training, endurance, and motivation. So let's take a look at this this morning. Look at uh, the first thing I want to talk about is training. Training, that's one of the things we really don't want to do. I like, like I say, I like to get out and just do something. If I want to train, I'm thinking, I'm just going to go out and run. Well, it doesn't, again, you pull a muscle, you get hurt, um, then you're down for a longer time. We need to start out by thinking about what the Word of God has to say about us in training. Look at the first part of verse 1 in chapter 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let's stop there for a moment, one of the first things we need to do when it comes to training is we need to learn from the past. How many of you are, are great students of the past? Yeah, most of us don't. I don't like history. I do now. I know Doug's like, yeah, I can't believe that. You guys are into the history. I love it. All the postings and the trips you've made, I'm like, oh, that's great. Nice picture. Let's go. All right. But if we don't learn from the past, you know what's going to happen. You're bound to repeat it in the future. So we've got to learn from the past. And I think the writer of Hebrews wanted us to understand this. I'm not going to read through all of chapter 11. It would take me a little bit of time, but I would encourage you to go back through chapter 11. But I want to pick up at verse 30. I want you to look at this. The, the hall of faith. These men and women that God considered amazing believers. Even as you look through some of them, you think, Really? Gideon? Samson? Seriously? But that's the encouragement to me because you know what? If God sees them as great men and women of, of God in the hall of faith, I could make it too. I didn't do what he did, but I still fail miserably. But look, what, look at verse 30 with me. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish. Rahab? Really? With those who do not believe when she received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, of Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, and of David, and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness, were made strong, became valiant and in battle, turned to flight the armies of, the, of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. But notice here too, notice what else happened. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial, trials of mocking and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts and the mountains and the dens and the caves of the earth. And all these things, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Think about that now. These are people who had the motivation and the endurance, but yet... They went through those difficulties. It wasn't all peachy. It was difficult. But the encouragement is, is that they had this, this, this past that they could look to. And we have the same past. It's not, and, and sometimes I think we, we get confused. We think of this great cloud of witnesses that all these saints are up there cheering us on. I don't think that's the case, technically. As I look at the scripture I think we learn from this great cloud of witnesses that are there, that have gone before us, what they have gone through, the motivation that they had, knowing that the end was there and that the promise was there, but yet they didn't. Some of them got sawn in two, mm. tortured, ow. They didn't receive the promise at that point, but it was coming. You know what? We're in the same boat. And I want to encourage you today to learn from the past, learn from these great Saints, that the races they have run were to the end. We need to train and run as they ran. I love the, the old song that uh, it's been years ago. Steve Green, 
Some of you maybe know that name. Back in the 80s, early 90s. May all who come behind us find us faithful. It's my father-in-law. My father-in-law passed away in 1992. That was the song that they played at his funeral. He was 56. It's like, wow. Do they find us faithful? Am I found faithful? Well, I got another year before I would pass. I pray that I got a lot more. My wife does too. I pray that we have many more. But we don't know. But the question is, is God, he's going to find us faithful, but will others find us faithful? And I think that's so key in our run to press on towards the end. Don't be discouraged. Learn from the past, but also learn in the present. This great cloud of witnesses that have encouraged us through their lives. Yet, even in the present, we need to recognize there are things that are going to slow us down. Look with me at the second part of verse uh, 1 there in chapter 12. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. This word for lay aside, it, it means literally to put off. To cast aside, I I thought about wearing a jacket this morning and I I didn't grab one. I didn't think about it afterwards and I thought I was going to take it off and cast it aside. It literally means to put away from you, to stop doing what you're doing, to cease and desist. It's kind of like when I pick up a cookie and my wife says, put the cookie down and step away from the, the, the counter. You know, it's like, stop, don't do it. Put it aside. It's really difficult because you know what? We've gotten accustomed to it. We've gotten habits that we've formed. And many times it's just natural. Do you know that many of us do things without even thinking? Many of you do think, you don't even, anymore you don't even think about it. You know why? That's called habit. You know what? Many of you have bad habits. Don't you? You know what they are. It's a default. I do. I have, my wife can tell you exactly what bad habits I have and what defaults I have. She goes, oh, see, there you go again. And then I get defensive and she goes, see, that's what it, oh. So I did it again because it's so natural that I don't think about it anymore. What I have to do is I have to stop and I have to think about it. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 to 22. I think I put it up there. Did I put it up there? Yeah, I did. I thought I did. You can turn there in your Bible if you'd like. This is a great passage. This in Colossians 3 is a parallel passage on putting off, renewing, and putting on. It's, uh, I use it in counseling many times. But it, it parallels this, this mindset here with uh, the writer of Hebrews. It says, but you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him. If you are a believer and, and listen to what the word of God says, this is what he says as his truth in Jesus. That you put off, same word in Hebrews, it's the apetitomai, it's to, to cast away. It's the Greek word, same word, put off. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. In other words, take that jacket off, throw it away. The old man is there. You keep putting it on. Put it off, lay aside, get rid of it. But for some reason, we keep going back to the same things that we enjoy. Like a dog returning to, y'all know what it says, don't you? Yeah, it's pretty gross. If you don't know, it's returning to his own vomit. Ever seen a dog do that? But in the same way, many times we do the same thing by going back to the same old habits that we need to get rid of. We keep going back there mentally, emotionally, physically, many ways. We keep doing the same thing over and over. We go, why do I keep doing it? Well, because it's, look what the writer says. He says, laying aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. These weights and sins, what are they that ensnare us? Well, I think there's actually two different aspects here. I don't think it's, it's, it could be considered weights and sins are one and the same. But I really think that there are two things. I think weights, literally here, it means mass. Now, when you've eaten from Thanksgiving all the way to New Year's, you have mass. I have some mass. 
From 2014 till now, my wife keeps lovingly reminding me that scales don't lie. I was about 13 pounds lighter than I, I am right now. And after this morning, it was another pound and a half. That's, that was like, what? No, that can't be right. You know, when you get on it and it's going, is there somebody else on there with you? Step, please, one at a time. Like, oh, good. But I think this aspect of mass in and of itself, it, it could be innocent and harmless. Cookies are not bad for you. Eating the whole box is. Cake's not bad for you either. Ice cream is not bad. For, well, maybe. Okay, if you want to get technical. It could be, depending on what it's made of and all that stuff. But anyway, again, where's moderation? Do we learn moderation? No, we love, we're Americans. We love to eat the whole bag. Because you just can't eat one. Right? Yeah, I struggle with that too. Chocolate. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, we're not talking about my personal struggles now today. All right? We're not going there. This is for the rest of you. Now, looking at this passage, I'm like, oh, Lord, great reminder. But the, these weights, what are these weights? It could be struggles even with, in the church. Do we struggle with what we call legalism? Are there things that you just hold on to because we've always done it that way? Josh has talked about it as those sacred cows. Because in reality, it's all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about what we think. It's not about what we want. But it's all about Jesus. It could be other Christians that we have to hurdle over that we struggle with. These are weights. These are struggles. These are things. Now, at the same time, let me, let me tell you this. This is kind of a prequel to the next two weeks. I'm going to be sharing on the paradox of power next, the next two weeks. 7th and the 14th. And this is kind of a prequel to this. Because in and of itself, we want to get rid of the weights. But at the same time, what, does weight, what do weights help with? What is it? Strength, yeah. Resistance. When you have resistance, it builds up muscles. So it's a paradox. You want to get rid of weights, but at the same time, you want them to help you to grow. So those weights that you are being hindered by, are they helping you to grow or are they hindering us? So we'll talk about that paradox of power in the next two weeks, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to stay focused here. So when we think about this, what are those weights that we do need to shed? Because when you're running a race, you need to get rid of all the weights that you can. That's why runners wear so little. That's why they, they want to be totally free to just run. And so it could be anything that causes us to, to have difficulty or those sins. Let's go from the weights to the sins. Sins that also ensnare us could be idols that we still hold dear to. You know, there's greed. There's lust. I mean, I think we all struggle with things in this aspect. There's arrogance. There's pride. There's gossip. There's dishonesty. What dishonesty? What's wrong with a little white lie? Well, everything. It starts out with the fact that it's a lie. It's not just a little white one that it's okay to say because you're not going to hurt them. You don't want to tell some. No, Paul says in Ephesians, speaking the truth in love. And that's really the key. It's saying, brother, I love you, but I got to tell you, I'm concerned. I see something that I'm, I'm, that's hindering you. It's hindering your walk. It's slowing you down. The weight and the sin that is ensnaring us. This idea of ensnares, it so easily happens to us. It basically, it, take, it means tightening the grip. It, it's pertaining to exertion of tight control, that which, that which controls us so tightly. It's something that, you know, have you ever had those Chinese, um, Chinese finger things? Yeah, you got, used to get them as kids. Uh, what, Chinese handcuffs, is that what they were? You get your fingers in them. Try to get four of them in there together. You'll never get out. But I'd get two of them. You know, you stick one on your finger and you stick your other finger in, and then it's like the more you pull, it tightens its grip on you. That's what they're intended to do. And, and, and you can't get out. It's like, how do I get out of these stupid things now? You know what? In many ways, we have the same struggle in our Christian walk. We get caught and entangled in something, and the more you pull on it, I, I remember walking through in... Um, in the, the forest and the trees and woods and stuff when I was a kid growing up. And uh, in fact, Timothy talks about the same thing. Uh, it, they're called wait-a-minute bushes. If you ever, you're walking through and all of a sudden it's the sticker bush that reaches out and grabs you and, and drags you. It's like, oh, ow. And you're stuck on it. And the more you yank at it, the more it tangles itself on you. And the next thing you are, you're so struggling trying to get out of that stupid bush. 
you're not watching where you're going. In fact, you've taken your eyes totally off the path and you, you've stopped. Progress is stopped, you're stuck. Timothy talks about that same thing that says no man that, that struggles, a soldier of Jesus Christ, no man that, uh, that engages in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has enlisted him as a soldier. You're going to have to endure hardships, but what you do is you fight through it. You don't let those things grab a hold of you, and if they do, you keep going. We've got to lay aside those sins, those struggles, those things that have us so tightly those ankle weights and those ankle sins and those things that strap themselves to our legs and hinder our growth. Well, here's the catch. What do we have to do? Yeah, what's the next thing here, Bryce? Get rid of them. Is it really that hard? No, theoretically it's not. But just like running the race, just like stopping doing something, it takes the first step, and then another, and then another. And there's times when you're going to stumble, and you're going to fall, and you're going to struggle, and you're going to think, what's the point? The battle is too hard. I can't do it. I give up. Seeing then we, that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race. Get, get, hold, or get rid of those things that so easily beset us, those sins, those struggles, those weights. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Stop letting them hang on to you. You don't have to. They have no control over you. Did you know that? We have everything we need to live life in godliness. We have the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you and me, if you know Jesus Christ today. You don't have to be enslaved by the sins, those weights, those sins, those idols. I can choose to get rid of them. Well, how do we do that? Well, you have to know your regiment. Okay? Yes, I told you it wasn't going to be easy. Paul in Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline yourself. How many of you like discipline? Yeah. I just give me another one. I need it. <laughs> when I was growing up, I received a lot of discipline. I was, I was the oldest, and I was the hard-headed one of my brother and I. I may have told you this before. I used, one day I asked my brother, I said, why is it you never get in trouble? He goes, because I watch you and see how stupid you're going to be first, and then... Whatever happens to you, he goes, I'm not going to do that. Like, thanks a lot. But it took one like me to demonstrate what you don't do. And I didn't enjoy the discipline. Yet at the same time, I'm very thankful that my dad whacked me many times. I needed whacking to get me back on the straight and narrow. I needed that discipline to keep me from straying. That's the hard part. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, you turn back there with me, or I think you follow along on the screen, I think I have it up there as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, again, Paul echoed these same thoughts to the believers in Corinth when he said in verses 24 to 27, he said, do you not know that those who run in a race run, all run, but one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it? I was running, honestly, I was running to obtain the prize. That was my goal. I knew I wouldn't be first. I saw the young guys ahead of me. When they took off out of the chute, I thought, wait a minute, where'd he go? But for my age group, I figured I could probably beat most of them. And I did. But I had to start out with the discipline. And I had to run in such a way that I may obtain it. He says, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. In other words, self-control. Now they do it for a, obtain a perishable crown. And by the way, this will one day get thrown away. It will break or bust or something, and it's pointless. But the great thing about here says, but we for an imperishable crown. You know what? Glory is going to be amazing. Therefore, I run as this, this way, not with uncertainty. He knew where he was running. He says, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, 
I myself should become disqualified. Have you ever seen guys just out there feet in the air? They're disciplining themselves and they don't just do that. They do it for a purpose. What is it? So when they get in the fight, they're ready. Because if all you did was just beat the air, it's pointless. They know a fight's coming. They know a battle is raging. They know a race is going to be run. And if you get out and if you exercise and you exercise and you exercise for the point of just exercising, what's the point? Because in reality, I think it seems to me to be a waste of time. Because I love food. But if I love food more than I love exercise, I'm going to ultimately meet Jesus quicker than I really want to, although I want to. But he's going to say, you know, I tried to give you help everywhere, but you refused to take it. It's kind of like the guy that was on top of his roof and he was crying out for help. God, please help me. And and, uh, he sent along a boat and said, no, 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 I'm waiting for God to help me. And it was floodwaters were rising, of course. Then God, he cried out, God, please help me. And he sent along, a, sent along a helicopter and several different options. And finally he drowned and he got to heaven. And the guy said, God, I cried out to help you and for you to help me. And he said, well, I sent along everybody that I could think of and you refused to take any help. Many times we're in the same boat, no pun intended. We, we fail to realize that God is right there all the time. Sometimes it's through a friend. Sometimes it's through the word of God, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. But I think what we need to recognize is that we need to consider the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. This is one of the best books that I've, I've ever read. One of, the, one of the books that I've read that I feel is very, very beneficial. It's called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. I've recommended it to others. I've encouraged, uh, I encourage you to pick it up as well. One of the things that Whitney does is he takes a biblical look at what the disciplines of the godliness are. And uh, as Paul talks about disciplining yourself for the purpose of godliness... Some of those are Bible intake. You've probably heard me mention them before. I'm going to keep beating on that drum because I really believe in it. Reading the word of God is is ultimate. It is the most important thing as well as prayer, memorizing scripture, uh, a wide variety, evangelism, serving, stewardship. All of those are different disciplines that we should learn in our race in walking with Christ and running with with purpose. Listen to what uh, Donald Whitney says regarding the, the spiritual disciplines in that, and this is the section called The Lord Expects Them. The Lord expects us to, to participate in what we call spiritual disciplines. He says, uh, the original language of the words discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness makes it plain that this is a command. It's not an option. This is a command of God, not merely a suggestion. Holiness is not an option for those who claim to be children of the Holy One, so neither are the means of holiness, that is the spiritual disciplines, an option. So my question is, is how are we doing? How are we doing? With regard to our race. See, the only way you can really successfully live the Christian life is by throwing aside those things that hinder us, those sins that so easily beset us. Sin's gonna be a hindrance because it is intended to distract and to destroy us. The witnesses that we just referenced in the first part of the verse finished their course because they were driven to live life by a strong love for and a great faith in Jesus Christ. So our question is, do you love Jesus so much that you're willing to be disciplined to serve him and to run the race faithfully? Training is of the utmost importance. Second, won't take as long, but we need endurance. Look at verse C, at the second part of, or the, yeah, the third part of the first verse there. He said, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Our biggest hindrance in continuing and finishing the race well is endurance. We give up so easily. Why? Well, I think we, we get worn out. I think we get tired. And why do we get tired? You always have to ask yourself why. Well, why do I get tired? Well, because I'm out of shape. Why are you out of shape? Because I whatever, you fill in the blank. I don't exercise, I don't eat, I eat poorly, I, whatever the, the case might be. So in the Christian life, why are you struggling? Why do you fail? Why do you have so many difficulties? Well, because I'm out of shape. Why are you out of shape spiritually? One of the first things I ask people when they come to me for counseling is how's your walk with Christ? Where are you 
in your walk with Jesus today? When was the last time you read the word of God, spent time pondering what his word says? When was the last time you prayed? Because I believe, I wholly believe 100% that your walk with Christ is a direct reflection of how you're going to live your life and how the struggles of life that come won't over, overtake you, they won't destroy you. There'll be hindrances, there'll be struggles, but that's that pressure again, that's that paradox of power. Yeah, I, I've, I've gotta have the weakness to be strong. But if, we don't, if we're not even in the word, if we're not studying God's word, if we're not reading and, and memorizing scripture, if we're not praying, if we're not worshiping together, we're not gathering together, gathering, growing, going, is it any wonder that we're struggling and we don't have endurance? I think, again, the writer of, of Hebrews here in chapter 12 says, run with endurance, movement, speed. This isn't just, just kind of walking, but this is actually jogging. This is running. You run the race. You get out there and you go. You go, go, go. You keep going. Anyone can start a race, but it takes someone who is very fit to finish it. We're going to finish it one day, but I'd rather finish it running full tilt going through the, through the tape than just barely crawling across the finish line. God reminds us oftentimes as we live out his life and live out his will that we must live with patient endurance and determination. So we're supposed to run with what? What's the next word there? Run with, what's it say? Run with endurance. What does endurance imply? When you read the scriptures, do you ask yourself uh, questions? Well, what's it implying? Run with endurance. Why do I need to run with endurance? What does that imply? Keep, keep going? Yeah, yeah. And what are we going to encounter? You're going to encounter difficulties? You're going to encounter tough paths? You're going to encounter hills? You're going to encounter valleys? Is everything in, in the Christian life a mountaintop experience? I wish it were. It'd be great, but it's not. You're going to have disappointments. You're going to have doubts. You're going to have frustrations. You're going to have discouragements. You're going to have temptations. You're going to have all of those things. But yet we can run with endurance the race that is set before us because we have disciplined ourselves in godliness. The Greek word for, for endurance is the word hupomone. It means literally to bear up under, to remain under, to, to continue to, to suffer patiently. When you have weight on you, do you just let it crush you? I think sometimes we do. And people give up. But God says, no, it's never gonna be more than I... I will never give you more than you can bear. And if it is more than you can bear, I'm the one that's gonna hold it up for you as well. Do you ever think about that? There's a both and in there. He says, he'll never give us more that will, that will destroy us. But at the same time, it will feel like it, but he's the one that's here bearing up with us. He says, run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's going to involve competition. It's going to involve struggle. It's not going to be easy. If you've ever seen Olympic runners and if you've ever heard stories of Olympic runners, they are told to look ahead in the distance, keep looking forward in order to run straight and not lose time. If you've heard stories too of runners who have looked back over their shoulder and what happened, they tripped, their competition was on the other shoulder and as they looked back to their left, they ran by on the right. See, Satan wants to distract you. He wants to try to get your attention, to keep you from, from going all the way to the end, to keep you from being, being successful, to keep you from, from completing the course. I was running with my son. Uh, again, that first race I was down in, in Lafayette, I had a map. They gave maps out at the beginning. And uh, he didn't have one. He just, he, you know, he knew the area. He thought he did. So we took off running and went out of the parking lot down to the right, and then into a subdivision. And then that subdivision, we wound around several, several roads to get the majority of the 3.1 miles, and it came out, back out, and then on the main road, and then into the, back into the parking lot again. I saw my son take off at the beginning. He started running. He was probably a good 100 yards out in front of me for most of the race. About, I don't know, half a mile before the end of the, the race. Every so often, I'd pull my map out because I was like, man, where am I? 
Because it feels, it feels like you're, you're lost. When you're out there running, every house looks the same. It's like, I just ran past that one. Am I running in circles? I was like, uh, okay, there's the arrow. And the people are going, you know, like, go down this way. And I'm like, are you sure? You start doubting. You start questioning because you're getting tired. You're, you're thinking, where am I going? Well, which direction am I going? Am I going the right way? And they have spotters that are pointing to you. See, I think many times that's what these great Hall of Faith uh, uh, examples at the beginning. It's like, keep going. This is right. But every so often I pull out the map. And I'd look at the map, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I know where I'm at. Okay, I know where I'm at. I know where I'm at. And so by the time I ran through the subdivision, about, I don't know, two or three blocks away, half a mile, whatever it was, I caught my son. Who's, <laughs> this was his first race, too. He had been training, not as much as I had at that time, but he had been training. He was a lot better shape. He's a lot younger than I am. So I caught up to him. I came up beside him, and I said, how are you doing? He goes, I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> and I'm like... You're in the course. We're almost there. And I said, you want to see the map? Yeah, no. I said, just keep going. You're almost there. Okay. I said, you want to keep up with me? No, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> and I, I, I know, man, it was, I was feeling it too. I said, well, keep going. We're almost there. So I stayed with him for a little bit, and then, uh, and then we took off. And, um, and I, I went on ahead of him. And uh, anyway, around a couple more turns and came out to them. And once you came out around the corner, it was like, oh. There it is. I can see the finish line. There it is. All I have to do is get out on Main Street and run into the finish line. So I came running out there, and, and I, again, I had several people in front of me, and I, I kicked it into high gear that last, I don't know, 50, 100 yards. I don't know where it came from because I was feeling like I was going to die, but it was like, there's people in front of me. I'm going to pass them. And I was able to pass, I don't know, 10, 10 people, 9 people, something like that. My son came in about a minute later, and, and he, was, he was saying... I didn't think I was going to make it. I, I, I lost track of where I was. You know what, folks? Many times in our Christian walk, that's what happens. You forgot to keep looking at the manual, the, the instructions. You forgot to see where the roadmap is. Where are you in your walk? And people are like, I can't do this. I just don't know where I'm at anymore. I want to give up. I just want to stop. No, you don't have an option. It's not stopping. You keep going. You have spotters. The great cloud of witnesses that's saying, keep going. Look at the past. Remember the past. There is the end. Keep going. Go strong. See, Hebrews doesn't want you to be sluggish. They don't want you to be lazy. They don't, he doesn't want you to be frustrated. He wants you to keep going. Run the race with endurance. See, the importance of realizing that a steady endurance to live a biblical Christ-centered life will only be done as the resolution to do so is decided every day. Let me read that again. A steady endurance to live a biblical, Christ-centered life will only be accomplished, can only be done as the resolution. I love that, especially today. Your New Year's resolution is to live every day to be a runner for Christ. Every single day. Do you get up every single morning and you go and run the race faithfully today? Going to keep on going. Going to keep doing it, God. You can help me. Throughout the year, it's going to be easy to give up or even quit. However, as we look to Jesus, he's going to give us that endurance and the power to face every day and every obstacle that comes along. You see, the Christian life is not, it's not a sprint. See, the guy, the guy on the right here, and kicker, oh, well, okay. I want to, actually, I want to, I thought that was later in there. There he is. I'll come back to that other one in a second. The guy on the right there is a sprinter. He can run very fast, very short distance. But if you try to get him out there to run a long distance, you know what's going to happen? He's going to be like Landon. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get sick. But the guy on the left, he looks really, in Norwegian, I love the word, it's called skrepli. He looks really frail and, and weak. I love that word, skrepli. It's like, Ugh. But you know what? He keeps going. He just keeps going. Because he's... He's fit. He doesn't have anything holding him back. He's slender. He's disciplined. He's got endurance because he's trained and he's trained and he's trained. And many times we may look like that guy. We may feel like that guy mentally, but spiritually he's strong because he knows. Mentally he knows what's coming and what he has to accomplish. From the time he took off running, he knew it was a long distance. He knew it was out there a ways. Go back to, if you could, go back uh, just a, 
a slide there. This is really key. The battle for a Christian each day is, am I going to be led by God and by God's truth or by my feelings and my circumstances? Am I going to live by what the Word of God says or am I going to live according to my feelings and my circumstances? Because I think a lot of us do that. Circumstance comes, feelings come, oh, I just give up. Run with endurance, the race set before you. Run with endurance, the race set before you. Don't give up. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Go ahead and run on up through there again. Yeah, life's, life's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So we need training, we need endurance, and last but not least, very briefly, we do need motivation. Look at verse two. Knowing then that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here's why. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Do you ever feel like you're not worth it? You're just frustrated. Like, what's the point? I'm ready to give up. I love Charlie Brown. I'm already tired tomorrow. You ever been there? <laughs> I mean, falling asleep when I'm already tired. I know what tomorrow's going to bring. I can't even get going. Well, really, the key is in, in having motivation is focus, looking, literally to keep thinking about, keep focusing on without having one's attention distracted, to fix one's attention on something, looking unto. What's that we're supposed to be looking unto? What's it say there in verse two? Looking unto whom? Who? Yeah, it's all about, you with me? Yeah, you got to stay up late tonight. Get the ball to drop. Come on, stay with me. No sleeping this morning. Got to get ready. So when that ball drops, you're ready to make that commitment and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. We're going to run. We keep going. Looking unto Jesus. He's the what? He's the author and the finisher of our faith. When you run the race, I was looking so forward to seeing that, that big balloon that said, finish. That means I could be done. I could stop running because I was tired. I was tired. And life is tiring. Life is heavy sometimes. Physically, relationally, spiritually, emotionally. We, we have all these areas of life that we struggle with. And I want to give up. But we keep our eyes focused. Keep your eyes focused on the goal, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Don't look back. Keep going. I love the fact that, like I say, this picture of me, you probably say, man, that, yeah, I don't know. Is that the one you used? You used one of them off of there, didn't you, for that face up there? That's kind of scary. By the way, vote for Dan or Josh. Uh, just encourage you. And just a reminder. You know, being prepared to go to run in, in Houston was one of those things, too, where I had a bottle of water because it was going to be hot that morning, and I knew it, and I needed it. Headband to keep the sweat from getting in my eyes. But I, and even in the run, it was actually, that was 3.4 miles. It was a little bit longer than the 3.1. But I knew it was there. I knew what I had to get there. And when I got to that point, I could feel it. It was like, okay, I'm about shot, but I'm almost there. I'm almost done. Keep going. Don't look back. Finish strong. Finish first. Finish well. We are not running against Christians. We are running with them. Keep going to get across the finish line because that's really what it's all about. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He put Christ in Christianity. That's why we call it Christianity because it's all about Jesus. He's the perfecter. He's the completer. It's the same word, teleos, that is used when Jesus said, it is finished, telestai. The same root word, same Greek word. It is completed. It's done. Run to the end. Martin Luther said this, Jesus Christ is not set before us here merely as an example for us, but as him in whom we place our faith, our trust, and confidence with all our expectation of success in our Christian course. Jesus Christ is not set before us here merely as an example for us, but as him in whom we place our faith, trust, and example. We don't just claim Jesus. He is the, the reason. He's the goal. We don't just talk about Jesus. He's everything for us. 
He's not just a suggestion. He's not just somebody I put in my pocket and say when I need him, Jesus, rub the magic Bible, and out he comes to answer my three needs. But he's the one who goes before us. He's the one who wrote the word. He is the word. He's the author and perfecter, the finisher of our faith. Everyone and everything that we can expect, he's the one we put our hope in. One writer put it this way, and with this I'll close. There's no better motivation to shed our sin and patiently live every day of this upcoming year for the glory of God than Jesus Christ. Not only did Jesus author our course, he has already finished it. Now he wants to challenge us to be faithful to the end like he was. We will never find better inspiration to live victoriously than in the life of Jesus Christ. Folks, you struggling this year. It's been a tough 2017. Start out 2018 reading the manual, reading the instruction guide, reading the map, the road map for the race that you're on. If you haven't started the race, start today. You don't know what 2018 may bring. You may lose a loved one. You may lose your life. Whatever the case may be, finish strong in 2017. We've run strong. Let's run stronger into 2018. Because really what we want to get to at the very end is really this. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yes! We did it! I completed it. And I run across the the line. And instead of getting a bottle of water and a banana which they gave me at the end of the race in Lafayette. Woohoo! Thanks, I needed the water. <laughs> the banana, I don't care. <laughs> but I need the potassium anyway. Instead, I'll get a crown and a hug. Man, I look forward to that day. He says, well done. Did I blow it a lot? Yeah. Did I stumble? Yep. He says, get up and keep running because I've gone before you. I'm there beside you. I'm right behind you all the way. Make that your resolution this year for 2018. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thanks again, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the truth that you give to us. Lord, guide us in truth as we take that step into 2018 as, we, as you go before us. Really, Father, it's, uh, it's amazing that we've come this far in life for so many years. But yet, next year is a new one. And as you go before us, Father, I pray that you would guide us, give us encouragement, give us just a hope that we know that we can finish strong. Father, thank you for this time. Bless our conclusion of our worship this morning and as we head out today, we pray all this in Jesus' name.